morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today at Solace Church. This is week two of our series called Decades. And if you're a 20-something today, today is focused on you. If you're a teen, you need to listen. And if you have a, a child who is a 20-something today, is a good day to understand them more perfectly. And we're going to take a look in Scripture today at what it looks like to live out the gospel in your 20s. And we say this often, listen, if you're 30, 40, and 50, you can just amen and applaud and all that great stuff. That's really good uh, because your time's coming and I'll be speaking to each decade as we move forward. So just hang in there if it's not your week yet. Uh, this, is, this is really important that we understand what it looks like to live out the gospel. If you're watching online at solacechurch.com, thank you for being a part of our online community this morning. And if, if I haven't already said this, guest, thank you so much, so much for being here today. If you were invited to this specific series by a family member or friend or coworker, neighbor, classmate, any of that stuff, thank you for choosing to be here uh, today. Um, we, we talked last week about what it looked like to live out the gospel as a teenager. And, and one of the things that was really interesting about last week's conversation is the way, is the pace in, at which things are changing at the philosophical level. That, that, that there was this traditional picture of, of how people understood the world to be, that there was a God and that God revealed to us truth. In all of Scripture, one half of one verse deals with atheism. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. That's it. Uh, the, the world just accepted that there was a creator, that there was a God. And now we're living in an age of atheism and even postmodernism where, where those ideas... Uh, are, not, are not necessarily uh, accepted uh, by, by, by at least a portion of our, of our world. And so that's the world in which you live, right? It was, it was thousands of years, one philosophy, then 300 years, and then about 50 years, there was another change, and we believe there may be even another change as well. And so that's the world you're living in. Uh, 20-somethings, if you're here today and, and you want to know a little bit about your world, here's the reality. You're living in the midst of, uh, I would call, the fallout of postmodernism. You're living in this age where people who have embraced the idea that you know, there is no such thing as objective truth and that we can kind of make up the rules as we go, we're living in this age where we're seeing the results of that kind of pattern of thinking. And it's, it's actually counterproductive. Well, I, my, prayer is that, that for, my prayer is that we awaken to the reality that each and, individual, each and every individual person can't make up their own rules for themselves and live that out. I, I pray that we come to some reality that says there is objective truth. There is objective morality. Now, something about the 20s that's really important. Yeah, you grew up uh, in the age of 9-11 uh, that changed everything uh, in America. It, it, was, it, was, it had the effect, much like Pearl Harbor did for a couple of generations before you. It is a defining moment in the history of our nation, and we're living in this, this, this world post-9-11 where terrorism is front and center. This is the world you're living in today. Uh, it's a very tense world, for sure. Uh, I'm 38, so it's been quite some time since I was in my 20s. Um, but I, I did some reflecting this past week on what it looked like to live in the 20s. Uh, I want you to know a couple things about my 20s that I think might be important to you. It was in my 20s that I came to a place where I struggled to believe in the existence of God. I was at college learning about theology. I was studying God and I was questioning if God really existed. 
That was the early 20s when I was in the, towards the end of my college. I struggled with the idea of one God and three persons. And I remember in my bed at Hillsdale, which is now Randall University, Hillsdale College, I was lying in my bed looking up. It was a bunk bed looking up to the bottom of the top bunk. And I remember thinking, I'm not leaving this place until I determine if there is a God. <laughs> I was a youth pastor at the time, by the way. was struggling and I, I remember praying to all three. I said, Father, if you exist, I, I just I need to hear from you. And Spirit, if you exist, I need to hear from you. And Jesus, if you exist, I need to hear from you. And I was struggling and I wrestled through this uh, greatly and, and, and with great tension and difficulty. Little did I know, by the way, and this is for everyone in the room, little did I know that in, 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 at West Tulsa Free Will Baptist Church, there was a lady who heard from God that week, and she was specifically calling out my name before the Father that specific week. I did not know that, but I am so thankful that I had some people who were older and further along on the journey praying for me as I was wrestling with the tension of whether or not God existed. And if there's a message for our entire church, it is this. If, you, if, the, if a 20-something or teen-something crosses your mind, pray for them. Pray for them. It's true for anyone. But man, these are the years of testing for sure. And so um, what I want to do this morning as we talk about what it looks like to do life, to live out the gospel in the 20s, is I want to give you a very practical reality before we open up scripture and talk about the gospel, what it means to live out the gospel. I want to give you a practical reality that I hope every single person who's in their 20s, teens, please listen as well, that you'll embrace this reality about your 20s. And if you're writing things down, I want you to write this down. The 20s don't define you. They prepare you. The 20s don't define you. They prepare you. One of the great things about being a 20-something is that in your 20s, you are free from parents for the most part. There is this weird trend going on. We've been talking about a little bit at Solace Church. There's this weird trend that's going on called emerging adolescence, that, that, that 20s are staying home longer. They leave and go to college, and then they come back home. Which, I don't know if you know, that's different and a little bit weird. But it's your reality. And I'm not necessarily knocking that. It's just the reality of the world we live in. And so emerging adolescence means that, that, that 20s now wait until they're 25, 26, 27, 28 before they feel like they're ready to launch out into the world and do life. Let me tell you why that's the case for you. Because you don't want to go into a job that you don't feel like makes a significant difference. Whereas before, a generation or two before, people realized at 18 or 19, they were going out of this world and whether they liked it or not, they were going to go earn a living and make a living and do what they're supposed to do and show up on time and do their thing. That's not the millennials. If they don't feel like they're contributing at a very high level very early on, they'll just wait at home until they get there. And so this is your world that you're living in. But I need you to understand this morning that in your 20s, these are not the defining years for you. They are not the years that you'll look back on and say, that's the greatest contribution that I've made to society. That's not what happens in your 20s. They actually are years of preparation. It doesn't mean they're wasted years. They're not at all wasted. I'll show you why in just a moment. But they are the years when you begin to put your worldview to the test. 
Remember, teenagers are developing a worldview and 20-somethings are putting that worldview to the test in the real world. And they're seeing if what I was told at church or what I was told by my parents actually works in the real world. And so you're stepping out and seeing if that's true. Let me tell you something about a lot of 20s today. In church, I hope all of us in the room hear this. There are a lot of 20s who aren't in the church anymore after their teens. And we've said this before, many of them come back later in life and we'll see if the millennials do this or not. But a lot of millennials are leaving and staying gone. It's true across churches, across the world. They're staying gone, hear me, because they don't want to be a part of something they don't believe is making a significant difference in the world. They don't want to play church They want to do church. They want to do the gospel. They want to live it out and see it make a difference in the world in which they live. That's what they're doing in the workplace, and that's what they want to see in the church. And if they don't believe the church is actually influencing something and impacting something and loving people, then they will just discard it as something irrelevant. Now, 20-somethings, you need to know something today. Your parents are a little bit to blame for this. Let me tell you why. And and listen, if (laughs) parents... Oh, I hope I can communicate this clearly. The, the generation previous to the millennials, the Xers, and even the boomers, hear me. You have done the 20s and the teens a little bit of a disservice. Parents, they value church oftentimes based on how you value church. If church is optional to you, it will become optional to them. If investment in the church is optional to you, they will see that and it will become optional to them. It matters how you, parents, it matters how you value the church as well. It makes a significant difference. Whereas in the generation Xers and and even the generation before, we really kind of tolerated our parents and we couldn't wait to get free from our parents because they didn't really know a whole lot. Do you know the millennials deeply love and respect their parents they long to get advice from their parents that's a new phenomenon most generations just dismiss parents and go on and do their own thing the millennials love 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 their relationship with mom and dad and they are the most influential people in their life parents please wake up to this reality what you value they are watching so in your 20s all that's tested out Something really interesting happens in your 20s. You fail a bunch. Now, I don't have to ask if that's true. I know it's true. It was true for me, and it was true for every single person in this room. (laughs) This is an interesting phrase. If someone goes into their 30s and 40s, they're expected to grow up, right? And the reason why that's that's the truth, and the reason why we know that that's the case is because when you see someone in their 30s and 40s making the same mistakes they made in their 20s, people say about them, well, they never really just grew up. Right? What are they saying? We can can tolerate some mistakes in the 20s, but come on, man. You're not in your 20s anymore, right? Right? What does that say about the 20s? It doesn't lessen who you are. It doesn't lessen the significance you can make. It just simply means that these are the years that are the preparation years. You're working some things out in this period of time, and that's perfectly okay. As a matter of fact, I thought that I would do you a little bit of a service today by showing you what the 20s tend to look like, even for very successful people who achieve success much later in life. 20s. 
You don't know all that there is to know about who you are and how God has made you. You're not in the greatest earning years financially in your life. They're, they're, they're still to come. And there are a whole lot of things about in the workforce, in the world, that you're not sure whether you like or not. And that's perfectly okay. 20s are years of preparation. As a matter of fact, I thought that you would be interested to know that there are a few people who are highly successful that, that, were, that did some interesting things in their 20s. For instance, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos was flipping burgers at McDonald's in his 20s. Now, I think he may rule the world. I'm not sure. I mean, I think Amazon basically is the greatest company on the earth. I think. At least that's how it's presented in our world today. Who else? Billionaire Warren Buffett was a small-town salesman in his 20s. Also, business magnate Mark Cuban was fired and lived with five other guys in his 20s. <laughs> if you don't know who Mark Cuban is, he's on the Shark Tank. No, he's the owner of the Mavericks, man. I mean, that's huge, huge. Comedy writer Tina Fey was a child care administrator at a YMCA in her 20s. Wow. Also, designer Ralph Lauren was making ties on the side. Ralph Lauren, in his 20s. A side, a side note, a footnote was ties. Author J.K. Rowling was fired when, while daydreaming about Harry Potter. <laughs> I love it. In her 20s. Lastly, Oprah Winfrey was fired from her job as a news anchor. I believe someone said about her, you'll never make it in this business. <laughs> really? What goes on in the life of a 20-something? Again, before we look at Scripture, what, here's an interesting reality that takes place in the life of the 20-somethings. And I've, I've, I've shared this before because I have a small group that's called the 20-somethings, and I've had an opportunity to share this with some of our 20-somethings. But if you're not in that group, if you haven't heard this before, please embrace this reality. There's a principle called the convergence principle that every single person in their 20s, and truly in all of us in the room could benefit, but in your 20s, you need to hear this. The convergence principle is a powerful, powerful principle that takes place in these years of preparation. I want to show you this graphic for just a moment. I want you to look at this, and I don't know how well you can see this, but this says unique abilities, and this says the influence and impact that you make. In other words, the convergence principle... You learn what you like and don't like, and you, you begin to take note of that in, in the early formative years of your 20s, and you begin to live that out in some specific way later in life. And as a result of that, you go from a little bit of impact, some impact, to the most impact you can possibly make. So what does this look like practically? Early on in life, you, you are, you're doing a whole lot of things in your 20s, and some of them you like and a lot of that you don't like. For instance, when I was in my 20s, the first job I had was uh, working at the, um, at the mail delivery system at ORU. Hated it. Worst job in the world that I could possibly imagine. You had to actually clock in and clock out, and that doesn't cut it in my life at all. If I have to clock in and out, pff, I'm not taking that job. Not, not for me. Uh, you, had to, you had to take mail to certain destinations. It was your specific to-do list, and I am terrible at to-do lists, and I hate being that kind of structured. And I knew this. Every day at the last minute, 5 o'clock was quitting time. At about 4.58, there would be a call come in to our office, and it would say, we have a rush delivery. That is, you've got to do, stop what you're doing right now and take this piece of mail to this other place in the campus. And I knew it. Every single day it was coming in. And I knew that I wanted to leave at 5, but I was not going to be able to leave at 5 o'clock. Because that was going to happen. And I hated life every single day. Anyone else have a job like that? 
Anyone else have a job? You're like, I, I did that job and I will never do that job again. That's what happens. You begin to do a whole lot of stuff, make a whole lot of, uh, make, make very little difference, at least it feels that way. And in these phases, you discover what you do not like. You're going to discover a whole lot more about what you don't like before you discover what you love. But eventually, after this process, you're going to discover what you love to do. And then as you live out what you love to do, you'll begin to make much more of a difference in this world. Now, <laughs> 20s, you can't skip this. Don't not try and stay home simply because you're afraid you might not like something. Get out, try it. Even if it doesn't work all that well, try it. Explore some of the opportunities in the world and you'll discover what you love. And once you discover what you love, then you can begin to master that. And mastery takes place later in life. 20s, you are not as good right now at what you're doing or what you love than you will be in your 30s and 40s. I would say to you, in my observation, if you're 40-something, 40s into 50s are the years of maximum influence and maximum impact. That doesn't mean the rest is just downhill. It just means that's the period where you begin to master and leverage what, what you love and what you're passionate about. And you make the greatest difference. I'm 38. Today, I do very few things at Solace Church. I preach and teach and lead staff and develop new uh, ideas and ministries. That's about all I do at Solace Church. It almost feels lazy compared to what I used to do. But it's not. It's the greatest contribution I can make to this team. Right? So you make the most difference in that. Now, (laughs) all right. So I went through this process when I was in my 20s. I began to realize the greatest contribution I know that I can make is to preach and to teach, right? But, But in my 20s, I was not very good at it. If you were here at Fellowship Church, we were Fellowship Church, thank you for staying. You don't know how much that means to me. And what I thought I would do, if you're in your 20s, what I thought I would do for just a moment is I, I thought I would show you a clip of Matt preaching in year 2004, 2005. So just for a moment, watch me in my 20s. You want to talk about, you want to talk about uncomfortable. You want to talk about laughing and laughing and laughing. This other couple, listen, they go through ups and downs just like my wife and I go through ups and downs. It is hilarious because what takes place when they're there is they'll start talking about a problem that they have and then they'll get mad at one another. I love it. And I'm hanging it on, man. I'm trying to make it, you know, I'm terrible at that, but I'm trying to fire it up a little bit, get the conversation going. Do you know what takes place during that time? You know, this is going to sound cheesy. Don't let it be. It's therapy. It's a counseling session. A psychologist, it doesn't cost a dime. We're just sitting around talking about our marriage, talking about the problems we have, talking about the success that we have in some areas of our marriage. And listen, it is so rewarding. Mm. Isn't that good? Did mm. <laughs> you notice this? You notice this feature right here? Did you notice the twang? I talk like this, like, like this, and I talk really, really fast, and I have my hands going like this, and I don't even, I'm like, oh, what was I doing? If you were at Solace Church then, why didn't you tell me? These years are preparatory years. You're learning and you're growing. And so give yourself a little bit of a break. Take a deep breath. For the work that God has started in you, He will be faithful to carry out and to complete in you. You're going to mess it up some, you're going to make some mistakes, you're going to learn a whole lot about what you don't like. 
But God is, is, is helping you weed out things in your life that aren't ultimately a part of what he designed for you so that you can live out exactly what he has called you to live out. That was just the introduction to the message. I'm going to speak to you 20-somethings, and I thought about a thousand different things that I could say to you, and this, uh, there's like 10 weeks worth of stuff I would want to tell you this morning, but let me just give you one thing that I think is going to be critical for you as you consider the 20s. And some 20s learn this quicker than others, and some struggle greatly to nail this down. Hear me. You're not perfect. You won't be perfect. And things are continuing to develop. But let me tell you a fatal mistake I believe 20s make that costs them greatly into their 30s and 40s and beyond. Sometimes, sometimes you're tempted in your 20s to begin to discard some of the foundational truths that exist because God has made them and they are true because God is holy and he has given us truth. Sometimes in your 20s you tend to discard this And you tend to try to manipulate and bend and twist the truth that has been given to us by God so that it can fit into what your reality, what you would want your reality to be in your 20s. You bend the rules and you break the rules and you manipulate the rules and you twist the rules in your 20s to accommodate what you would prefer to be a reality in your world. Let me, let me say it to you in some easy-to-understand phrase. And if you're writing things down, write this down. And I want to spend some time on this this morning. Hear me. Failing in the pursuit of perfection is vastly different than lowering the standard of perfection to make, my, make me feel better about myself. Failing in the pursuit of perfection, that is what God has said is right and what God has said is wrong. Failing in the pursuit of that is one thing. All of us do that. But compromising the standard to make you feel better and to make me feel better about myself does nothing to position you in the place where God longs for you to be. You cannot live out your greatest purpose and you cannot make the greatest contribution God longs to make through you if you compromise the standard to make yourself feel better in the 20s. It's not about lowering the standards so that you can feel better about yourself. It's about understanding that God has set a standard and I'm seeking to achieve that standard. All right, 20s. You come into a relationship with Jesus not by works, it is by faith alone. You come into a relationship with Jesus because Jesus died on the cross and gave himself up for you. And you enter into that relationship by faith. You cannot earn it at all. It is given freely. It is a gift of God. But that relationship is lived out in pursuit of the holiness in which Jesus exemplified for us during his time here. The 20s are the years to begin to learn the disciplines that lead to holiness. The 20s are the years when you begin to drive into, to lean into the relationship that leads towards holiness. It's a passage of scripture that I want to share with you this morning for just a couple of more minutes. It's, it's, a, it's a really important passage of scripture. Paul writes... To Timothy. It's not going to be on your screen. I just want to read it to you. 
I thought for the, this series I might leverage this leather-bound version. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says some really important things. And if you're, if you're, if you're a 20, I hope you hear this. And if you're not a 20, this is your chance to clap. Give me a standing ovation because it's the word of God that deserves a standing ovation. Okay. Listen to Paul's words. I don't know for sure if Timothy was 20 or not. He may have been 28. He might have been early 30s, but this is good advice for a 20. Verse number seven. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. It is very easy in your 20s to be led astray by the new wind of doctrine and teaching. It is so enticing in your 20s to get to a place where you hear something new and you go, oh, I haven't heard that before. That sounds very interesting. You go to college and they tell you, Jesus wasn't really, you know, he wasn't, he was kind of this mythical guy. You think the Bible's real, all these mistakes and errors and all this stuff's wrong with it. And you really think that there's one objective truth. You think that there's one way to God, bull. Oh, wow, that's interesting. It's very easy to be led astray by new doctrine and new teachings and new winds and new fads. Because how many 20-somethings feel the need to be relevant? How many of the 20-somethings feel the need to, to, to understand and to be understood? And to... Paul says, don't get caught up in that. 20s, I would just say this to you. That there is truth that has been truth since God established it as truth. And just because it is old does not mean it is wrong. Two plus two is always going to be four, and it's been four since mathematics was ever invented in the mind of God. It is true regardless of what generation or age that you are in. And it is also true that there are unchanging truths given to us by God. And they don't drift or waver regardless of how old you are. They are true because God has given it to us. So don't be led astray by godless myths and wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. These are the days of training. Now, Paul makes a brilliant point, and every teenager, I mean, every 20-something needs to hear this. For physical training is of some value, but godless, godliness has value for all things. All right, there's a trend that's going on. Let me tell you the trend. In 20s, this is a big deal for you, because in your 20s, you've got to look good. And here's a really cool, you know, really cool reality. In your 20s, it's way easier to look good than it is in your 30s. There's this weird thing that goes on about 30 years of age, and it starts right here. I, I, don't, I don't know what happens, but it just, there's this stuff that starts sticking to your belly right here. It's under the skin. I can't figure out exactly what it is, but it just starts there, and then it kind of just grows over time, and it never stops really hard to get it to leave and I know I'm not fat and I'm trying to work hard as I eat cheeseburgers and drink Pepsis all right I'm working hard to keep this body in shape this is is starting to be a problem I, I, I haven't done this before let's see do you see that and I know listen there's some there's some 40 years old and 50 year old people who say they're, here's what they're saying you ready they're saying you just wait that's what they're saying to you right now. You just wait.
There's an interesting trend going on. For some reason, people are buying into to this lie, this deceitful myth that says my physical body is going to bring me lasting satisfaction when I give myself fully to it. CrossFit, um, these workout gyms, these things are popping up all of the people are leaving the church and giving themselves to these communities over the church. Hear me, that is going to collapse. That is not sustainable. There is nothing in those groups that will give you godliness. They will give you physical benefits, but not godliness. Don't believe the lie that says physical training brings something godly. What physical training does is it honors the temple by which, uh, that which God has given you. It's good to be physically fit, but if it costs you spiritually, it's not a fair and good trade. For godliness has value in all things, both in this life and in the life to come. You can be ripped in on the cover of a magazine and have a soul that is lost. Give yourself first to Jesus. Because it is he that gives you your identity. Verse number nine, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, Paul says, that we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Twenties, I would say to you that as you question and you're going to question, and as your worldviews are tested and as you're trying to figure all this out, please hear me. There is a steadying reality in the life of the one who puts their hope in Jesus. It is the anchor for your soul that is unwavering and it will endure the test of time. As you you wonder about in your 20s and you will and as you're trying to figure out exactly what God has in store, the anchor for your soul is Jesus. It steadies the ship in the midst of of the chaos of trying to figure that stuff out. And Paul recognizes this. Those who hope in the Lord, those are the ones have this hope in a living God who endure. I love this phrase. Paul says in verse 11, command and teach these things. I'm going to conclude with this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. A better translation of that verse means don't give anyone a reason to look down on you because you are young. Let me tell you the worst phrase I heard when I was in my 20s when I was preaching like that. Here's what they would say to me. Matt, one of these days, you're going to be a good preacher. I wanted to throat punch them. They were right. Can you say throat punch from the stage? Okay. All right, let me conclude. I was not perfect, not even close. I was so far from perfect. The 20s were the greatest years of spiritual testing that I've ever been through in my life. I got my tail kicked a ton. So difficult. 
But I wanted people to see, if I did anything right, I wanted people to see that I love Jesus. And I wanted to be entrusted in the church so that I could make a difference. 20s, hear me. As your pastor, I, I, I want that for you as well. I want to see you so invested, so plugged in, in the body of Christ, that people would look at you and they would not say, one day they'll figure it out. But they would say, look at that person, how they love Jesus, how they're pursuing Christ. Paul says, don't give someone a reason to look down on you, but rather be an example in all these different ways. The last thing he says in this passage of Scripture is to watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearer. In other words, in other words, these aren't the days to quit and to give up and to leave. These are the days. These are the days to lean into the spiritual disciplines that will bring long-term health and life in your life. I love the 20s. They are my favorite people in the church. I know that's offensive, but let me tell you why. They are so vulnerable and transparent and real, it's not even funny. They will ask questions. They will tell stories about themselves. And I'm like, wow. And I love it. You're on a journey of discovery and I pray that you would would never compromise what God is calling you to for any other standard that this world offers you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.